find your passion, stick to your passion, and that's it. No one knows how, right? So, and in Chinese, we call this toxic chicken soup. Hello and welcome to the Upstart Podcast. This is the show for awesome stories about inspiring individuals from all over Asia Pacific. My name is Mathieu Bodin. In the 12 years I have been in the region, I have met incredible human beings, mountains movers and bad vibe killers. Times are unsimple and I realized how important listening to people's stories helped me find how to move forward. Stay tuned. You'll discover how ecosystem builders, startup founders, and people with a big heart find meaning in their life, positively impact people, and work relentlessly to make the world a better place. But no fluff. I will get to the bottom of their motivations, fears, and joys. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guests and I would love to read your comments and feedback. So please visit carnet.cc. C-A-R-N-E-T dot C-C and leave us a comment. You can also find me on most social media with the handle Mabosu. M-A-B-O-X-I-U. Today, I am discussing with Linka. She works for the United Nations Development Programs Youth Economic Empowerment in Bangkok where she sets up and improves entrepreneurship and innovation infrastructure for young people in more than 15 countries across Asia-Pacific. She supports the implementation of youth collab initiatives and delivers programs with government entities, the private sector, universities, and inspiring young individuals from all walks of life. I met Linka almost four years ago as she started volunteering for Startup Weekend in Hong Kong, and we have been great friends ever since. Linka has always impressed me with her genuine energy and drive to help people around her. And I am really excited to capture some of her thoughts and lessons in this podcast. Hi, Linka. Thank you very much for sitting next to me at the UNDP in Bangkok. Um, it's great to see you again. It has been a while. How are you doing today? <laughs> Hi, Matthew. So exciting to see you. As you mentioned, that the last time you were here was almost two years ago. That's right. And yeah, I think the weather is really nice in Bangkok and it's always nice to have your energy around. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Linka, we've known each other for quite some time. How about you share your own journey with the mm, audience now? Sure, sure, sure. So I am right now, and very honest with your audience, I'm right now 26 years old. Am I allowed what? to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was born in Xiamen. So it's an island very near to Taiwan Strait. And so it's not it's not a first tier city. It's not Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, those world famous cities. So my hometown is the second tier city. And actually, apart from my parents, all of my family were living in the countryside. Um, so just to give you a little bit more context of the mindset of people in my hometown. I remember when my father wants to support me to study my master's degree in Hong Kong, one of um, family um, asked him, why do you send your daughter to study a master? She will come back, become an old lady, and no one wants to get married <laughs> to her. And I remember I was 22 years old oh at that time. So I was shocked um, because I also, I grew up, 
um, learning a lot about um, Western mindsets, Western philosophy. So I kind of have this um, observation in both sides, and I was surprised that at this stage, at this at this age, people in my hometown still think that getting married is the only thing that girls should be strive for, right? So I was. I was I was shocked, but at the same time, um, I was very grateful for what my parents could support me for. So uh, I studied in Hong Kong for my master program for one year, and then I worked there for around almost one year, and then I moved to Bangkok to join UNDP, the United Nations Development Program, in the regional office and in charge of the national program in more than 10 to 20 countries. So that's a huge shift of my life, I would say, um, from a girl who grew up in a rural environment in the second tier of China to a very international platform. How do you think your neighbors would comment on your <laughs> path right now if you had to go back to Xiamen? That's a very good question. I'm also very curious. So I remember I also came to visit my neighbors and families in my hometown with my mom, and I was observing how my mom interacting with them. So obviously my mom was so proud of me, and she was introducing that I started working with the United Nations. And one thing that's really interesting was um, my my family asked me, is she, is it because that she can't find a job in Xiamen? That's why she's working abroad. Mm. Yeah, and some of them are asking, "What is your United Nations? Is it a private sector company?" So yeah, so at that moment, I realized that I shouldn't have take their opinions too seriously, and I shouldn't let myself be influenced by whatever they think that I should achieve in my life. How, when you were younger, how did your parents allow you to to be pretty independent? Actually, what what did they do that you think mm. set you on that path towards making like your own decisions, flying out of the city, and all of these things? I think it's a gradual process because my parents are very very busy um, with their work. I know that a lot of uh, people like me in China living in my generations will probably share the same experience like a lot of parents because we are most of my parents generations they are at the time where the Chinese economy was just growing so fast and all of their generations so busy with um, being part of this economic movement right so then in my generations a lot of us and also we are the only child mm. uh, generations so a lot of us um, doesn't have any choices um, and also at the same time all of my grandparents uh, because my family my both my parents are the youngest in the family so my grandparents are a little bit too um, old to take care of me at that time so there's no options that have to be independent for example, I, when I was um, at the age of around 9 or 10, I have to go to school by myself, taking one-hour buses. Oh, wow. Um, because my father and my mother won't be able to do that with me. And my family just cannot afford a car. So I have to do it by myself, taking changing buses three times just to go to the primary school. Oh, my. And on, that, on the day, I remember everyone 
during lunch just went home because their home is closer or they have someone to take care of them. And I was eating by myself um, next in the in the restaurant next to the primary school. So I felt like there's no choices but to be really an independent person. And and I think that's when actually when you are by yourself, you have to have this a third. You will develop this third person point of view. Um, it's not like you are becoming two or something. It's more like you are more aware of your presence, that you're observing yourselves. Um, sometimes you're confused. Sometimes you don't know what's going on, but you have this third person just to re be, make sure that you are aware, try to guide you. And yeah, I think that's very, very um, unique experience. It sounds like independence is going to be the theme of uh, today's <laughs> podcast. But the, the, the question that I have, and, and you didn't mention this as part of your journey, but you mm. actually studied a translation, right? Right, yes. And, and when we had the conversations before, you, you, you were explaining us how you shifted very quickly mm. right after graduation. Can you tell us a little bit more about like that journey, that adventure of yours on that? Yes. So I think a lot of... Chinese young people like me, when before they turn 18, they have only one goal in life, that is get to the university. So I was lucky enough to get the free admission because I, um, I was quite, um, how to say, excellent <laughs> in English and Chinese. So I was able to study um, language-related major without the university entrance exam. So I I I got to I got this notice earlier than other people then I started to think about what is going on with my life because before that point everything I w in my mind was okay I need to go to university because other otherwise I won't be able to achieve anything in my life mm -hmm. right So when I get to that point when I know that I have okay I have a university to go then I started to think about, okay, so after university, what's next? And what exactly is something that I really want to do in my life? How to make sure that if I don't exist in this world, at least there's some footprint mm -hmm. of, my pre of my existence. So I started to think about it, and, uh, but I started translations because of um, suggestions, advices coming from my parents, from their friends and they say it's a good skill to have that it will make sure that you won't starve yourself because I think um, even now a lot of parents mindset is that you need to own the skills as long as you have a skill you will have a job so the things turned differently when I entered the university when the courses started the teacher started to say that you have to study harder because the machine is being invented, it's being improved. If you don't study harder, you will be replaced by the machine one day. So every one of my classmates, I remember, we were all studying these translations in the fear, out of fear, not out of passions, hmm. a lot of us. So I, in this process, um, I was part of um, the world's largest youth organization called ISEC. Because of that, I started also to, real, to ask myself one fun, very fundamental question. Am I the person who enjoy being the cook, who repeats 
everything on a menu? Or am I the person who wants to be a chef that I want to create something that no one tasted, uh, tested, tasted before? No one knows that it's gonna be a favorite things in the market or not. But still, just enjoying that process of creating something new. And then, because of this mindset, I would say I started another youth organization called Moto APAC. And I realized at this point, when I look back, that to be able to create this,、uh, so Moto APAC is、um, similar to Moto United Nations that allows you to think like global leaders, to look into the future, to lo- look at what is going on in the world. So I, what I realized is that、um, when we try to put ourselves from this small world of translation classroom. To the bigger world of what is happening horizontally with the timeline and、uh, vertically with the timeline, horizontally with geographic,、um, and you just try. Then you, your focus is nothing about. It's not just about you know what are we going to do with lunch or dinner. It's more about so what is the future,、mm-hmm. right? So I guess with those questions in mind and. When I was about to choose my study in a master program, I still don't have the answer. But I just enjoy the process of learning something in a very short period of time, internalize it,、uh, and that's what translation allows me to do. Because、um, as interpreter, you are asked to prepare. For example, you're only given for one week, and you have to prepare this topic. And then one week after, you need to speak as if you are a professional. Person in this conference, so I really like that process. So I continue to study translations, interpreting in Hong Kong. And when I was exposed to a larger world in Hong Kong, I realized so much going on. And the thing is that I started to realize the trend of technology, the trend of AI, even more. And I started to see more this what is happening. And I realized actually. Right now,、um, in terms of AI, the most discussed jobs are, you know,、um, auto、uh, driving drivers、um, uh, or those kind of stuff.、Um, but then translation is one of the most vulnerable one because you still need a master degree to be able to increase your competitive competitivity in the job market. And then because of this, I realize it's my mission. To make sure the future generation, the to 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 narrow the gap between the school education and the job market, in order to protect our generations not being hit by this wave of technology, and then you know cannot find our space in the larger、uh, society. Got it. So if I understand your process, you. You 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 went through your studies. You looked <laughs>、yeah. for what you liked、mm. from them, right? So you liked the process of hardcore hustling over a topic for one week and then delivering it as if you were a professional. But what you also did was realizing that there were jobs that some students were educated for, trained for,、mm. that would eventually not exist at all. And so you shifted your mission from being able to to support. Professionals in a global set, settings, right, by being their interpreter, towards empowering the the future generations, basically to be equipped with the right things, like broadly speaking, so、right. that they can like survive new <laughs> technology trends. Is that is that a way of saying it? Yes, exactly. Yes. 
How was your, because um, it, it sounds very mature for 22-year-olds. <laughs> how, how did that concretely happen? You were just sitting in front of a piece of paper and, and thinking mm. these things through? Or from time to time you had new ideas popping up to your head? What, what, like in practice, how did that look like? Yes, I really like that question because I think that's um, something I really want to offer to this world. So um, because I know that a lot of people are talking about you need to, you know, just find your passion, stick to your passion, and that's it. No one knows how, right? So, and in Chinese, we call this toxic chicken soup. Um, <laughs> because you make this person excited, but then you just leave there. Hmm. Um, it's more like you give, you offer this person uh, a bowl of soup, but not giving this person the spoon. Hmm. Mm, right. So, um, so what I realized and what I um, summarized about some of the methodology that I can offer to um, people like me is that whatever and also to answer your questions what is my actions towards how do how does those things happens right because uh, when you want to do something um, no matter if it's uh, university entrance exam whatever, no matter it's learning language or achieve something bigger grind uh, grander in the, in your life there are always three levels of thinking that we need to plan so the first one um, is vision so Imagining at the certain stage of my life, how do I picture myself, and what is my favorite um, point of me at that point at that time, right? And then the uh, the second level is strategies to be able to achieve the vision I have. What are the strategy means that what are the uh, for example the bottom line I should stick to, and what are the things that I should keep reminding myself for. And then the third level is um, daily actions, right? So just to break it down and also give you a very concrete example, um, let's say learn, um, learn, learn a new language. So a lot of people, they want to new, learn a new language, but they don't have a clear vision of why do they learn this language for. For example, right now I'm learning Thai. Mm -hmm. And my vision is that I want to be able to have... Um, um, how do you call it, the, the human-centered design process, at least the interview part, that I would be able to empathize with them without translators. So that's my vision of myself, right? To be able to achieve that, what is my strategy? My strategy could be, you know, um, I'm going to use, I'm going to spend um, at least eight hours per week to study ties, or, or I'm going to just find any Thai speakers and just practice with this person for at least 10 minutes whenever I find this person. And my daily activity, or or I can just, my strategy could be also go to the school, right? So my daily activity is actually, for example, speak Thai, learn Thai in the school, remember some keywords. So the thing is that a lot of people, they sometimes they don't have vision, but they have they only have activities, so they see themselves at the same place, turn um, making circle. There's no improvement of it. Or they have vision. Okay, I'm gonna learn Thai, but I don't know how to get there. And then, after a few moments, you feel realize, oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm, I don't see myself how to get there. So then you lost your sense of directions. So same happened to um, the life planning, right? A lot of people at the age, before age of 18, they have very clear vision. I'm going to university. That is me. And what is their strategy? 
they're going, they go to extracurricular schools. Um, they're just trying to do as many exams as they can and many exercises as they can. And their daily life is just spent, for example, I'm going to just spend sleep um, six hours and the rest of the time I'm just going to memorize stuff. So that is very clear. That's why no one gets confused before age of 18. And then everyone started to get lost after age of 18 because they don't see themselves in the future. They don't know how to get there. And then those kind of things, if it's not there, it's harder to translate into daily activities. So to answer your questions, uh, what's, how um, how do I, how do I, how do I make this long process, right? So I think, um, I know what kind of person I want to be, um, at the end of my life. And then I also try to break it down. Okay. In next three years, in next five years, what, what, what do I want to be like? And the strategy, um, for example, I need to make sure everything I do needs to have an impact. So that is my bottom line, no matter what. So, um, on the top of making self sales, uh, financially sustainable. And then my daily activity, um, it can be changed, right? So today I'm gonna do this, tomorrow I'm gonna do that, and I don't just rely on this short-term result. I know that in the long term, something will turn out. Something will turn out. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's really interesting. Thank you for, for uh, sharing. <laughs> um, I want to ask about the fact that in, in a short time span, mm. uh, you left Xiamen, you yeah. studied in Hong Kong, mm. you worked in Hong Kong, and now you're in Bangkok. How do you see these transitions as part of your um, life goals, as part of your vision for yourself? Because these are not simple decisions to make. Um, how, what does that represent for you? Um, so, I think... I didn't choose the locations on purpose. I choose the platform mm -hmm. on purpose. I think um, because Shaman, uh, it's it's a place I realized that the stage is not big enough for me. And even though it's beautiful, it's the city is doing great job in its economy growth. Um, I just don't see myself that's gonna help um, the society in general. In, the, in my capacity, I know I can do more. Um, and then when I moved to Hong Kong, I realized um, there's so much going on that's without my awareness before. And then when I moved to Bangkok, um, this um, bigger stage with um, Asia Pacific headquarter here, um, the stage is bigger. So um, to answer your questions, um, what? how do I make those decisions of moving right so i guess i stick to my principles um no matter what um it has to be aligned with the vision of myself um it has to be um aligned with the with the bottom line that i told myself and um the challenge with having such a well not a clear path but a path mm. is sticking to it how do you how do you maintain your energy your balance so that no matter what happens eventually you get to where you want to go? Right. So I think what I really love to give um, uh, there are two advices. Actually, I would say three advices. <laughs> um, so I have three questions I ask myself every day, and I also think that um, that's one of my another offer to 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 the young people. So the first question is that. Um, 
what do I like myself the most today? So it doesn't have to be like super giant achievement. It could just be you know something that I've never done before, but I just did it. Then、um, something that I realize is、um, worth self recognizable. And then the second question is、um, how much do,、uh, do I know the world? A little bit more. So it doesn't mean that I have to travel to a new country. It can be just, you know, for example, a lady downstairs who is always showing up in the same place and doing the same thing. But I never noticed her before. But then today I talk to her. I understand her story, where she comes from, why is she doing there,、um, and try to understand her story. So do I understand the world a little bit more? A little bit more. Right. The last question is:、um, Have I made, or have I made another person、um, happier, or do I create more positivity, positive, positiveness to other people today? So those are the three guiding questions I ask myself every day. And on the top of that, I think、um, to do some sports and exercise really helps because、um, they are our body. Also receiving message, right? Our body is also sending message to our brain. No matter what our body has are doing, our brain will receive its message. So if you do some sports, if you do some,、um, for example, what I like, what I enjoy, Muay Thai, the martial arts, your body is telling your brain that your body is capable, is your body can, and then that message is so powerful. That whenever you are facing outside of like some challenges at your work and or、um, in your daily life, you also have this message in your in your mind that your body can. And so, and also,、uh, what I also really love about martial arts is not just about your body is stronger, is you know how to dodge, you know how to avoid your injury, and at the same time, you know that your body can take. At what levels of、um, heat? So this kind of awareness of your body will also help you to be aware of yourself. And then at the same time, so apart from the three guiding questions and the martial arts slash sports exercise, the other thing I are also really、uh, proud of is that this gaining mindset. Because a lot of time our frustration coming from the mismatch of expectations and reality, right? Because we have the perfect expectation. For example,、um, our partners, our parents, like we expect them to do these kind of things for us, or we expect these kind of jobs or events to be that perfect. But then reality is different. But every because of this, how to say?、Um, Unbalance, imbalance,、yeah. and people see the gap and they only focus on this gap. So what I really like about my mindset, I call it blank paper mindset, is that when I when I need to face when I face something, I have this blank sheet of paper. It has nothing on it. So everyone who draw something、um, or stick some you know stickers, it's just adding colors, right? Everyone's just making my blank sheet. Of paper more colorful and beautiful, and instead of you know coming there with the perfect pictures in mind, and who, whatever people are drawing, I feel like oh they're just destroying my artwork. No,、um, I came with a blank sheet of paper. So that's what I call the gaining mindset.
That's awesome. I think at this stage, it, it might be interesting to hear what you are actually doing <laughs> in your MVP. Sure. Uh, it might bring more clarity. I know that you've talked a lot about young people mm, and giving energy right. and getting them involved and engaged. So would you mind telling, assuming that we're five years old, I don't know, or you're, <laughs> you're explaining your job to, a, to an elderly, I don't know what works mm. best, but yeah, that would help. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Yeah, you are correct that um, what I'm doing is actually related to young people a lot. We are um, so I'm in the team with the team for youth development um, in UNDP Asia Pacific. So what we are doing, we actually have a very unique angle to it. We are using social innovation and entrepreneurship to empower young people to be the future leader, right? Because um, I think. Some of you might know, some of you might don't know that in a traditional way of, you know, for example, government work or development agency work, it's a very linear process. Like we've done this research, we've done this workshop. Okay, let's implement it, right? This linear process. But what we are trying to do is that we are trying to do the experimentations. We are trying to do prototyping with young people. So, um, if you are an entrepreneur, what kind of things that you want to create? And if you're already an entrepreneur, what kind of support do you need? And if you are the person, because you are the per, you're not the beneficiary of the ecosystem, right? So what are the things that you want, for example, government to change, private sector to change? Um, so we, 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 we make sure our work is focused and centered around young people um, and then we're trying to create this um, nourishing environment around them. I love how you, <laughs> you've been using we to describe your own role in this. Uh, I think it really represents what you're, what you're passionate about. Can you, can you tell us about the, one of the last examples where you concretely saw your impact and, and, and realize how much good you were creating for people around you? Wow, I think there will be a lot. <laughs> okay, I will say my favorite example. Yeah. Um, so it was in Pakistan, and um, we were working with a national incubation center. So it's um, a center under Ministry of IT and the largest telecom company. Um, so this national incubation center um, really liked us. Um, so for the the work that we've done, we've um, we were supporting a so two social entrepreneurs. One is uh, one is one has hearing impaired, one has visual impaired, and they have this social enterprise called Deaf Talk. They're trying to give young people job through sign language tra translations um, uh, to train them as translator to provide services for conferences, hotels, um, those service or other service industries. And so what we're trying to do is that we, um, we give them a stage to showcase and we also connect them with um, some other international um, enabler. Um, so they were, they, were, they were invited by the Finnish government to showcase their products in Slush, which is the world's coolest <laughs> tech event. But I think 
our impact doesn't stop there because of, of our intention of trying to be inclusive, trying to bring more um, marginalized young people into this um, social development process. The National Incubation Center also um, willing to work with us to empower more transgender entrepreneurs in Pakistan. Oh, wow. So I would say that it's something very, very, um, how to say, that we're really, really proud of. Um, because the thing is that a lot, what a lot of private sectors and the market are doing is, right, is trying to push human to go forward, forward. And, and then they focus on, for example, limited percentage of people who are already at the very front because that's the, where they see the most market value comes from, right? And then the larger part of people who are at the, a little bit behind of this most forward group, they also have huge market potentials, and but no one has been pushing them to come closer to the people in front. Imagine that how the, the, the market potential when you unleash those people who are you know not in training, education, or employment, they can also be part of this social economic development. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's an incredible mission. How do you? How do you almost stay in touch with with reality? I would say because you 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 are in very real situations, <laughs> right? Like this can't be any more concrete than this. But at the same time, it probably feels overwhelming to mm. address pain points that you had probably never heard of before, and you're realizing how much of a pressing issue it is. And then you may have to do another mission in a different country on a very different topic. How do you stay grounded in a way? Yes, I think that's a very, very good question. Um, and I think that's also one of the challenges that I was facing in this in my career life because sitting in the regional office, our role is not to um, really put our foot on the ground and implement our work. We are just um, supporting and also observing what is going on. So I would say that... Um, we try to be grounded through our colleague in the national office, but personally, um, I'm also at the same time being involved with um, three social enterprises. So one is um, Asia Pacific Youth Exchange. It's um, that we brought together 150 young people to come to Thailand to go to more than five local communities to co-create solutions with the community members in one week through design thinking process. So this is one thing, one social enterprise I'm engaged directly with. There's no third person in between. And the second one is um, a social enterprise in Hong Kong called Intercultural Education because um, given that Hong Kong is a very, very international city, not everyone, um, how to say, because the media always shows the top percent and the bottom of the people, right? So the reality in between is that not a lot of people can afford to travel abroad, can afford to know a little bit more about the world. But how can we un use these underutilized resources given that Hong Kong is an international um, city? So we try to invite in um, international students, international ex um, expats to go to the, the the classroom of Hong Kong to teach them about everything 
around the world.、Mm. Because the purpose, the intention is that once you get to know a person from a cultural background with a face, with human dialogue, then the next time you think about, for example, those. Places you don't think about the news that you've heard from the TV. You think about the pe- person that you've interacted with. So that's our intention.、Um, and I, I have to say also very proudly that this social enterprises has been recognized by different partners as one of the、uh, most sustainable social enterprises in Hong Kong. Nice. And the last one, which I just started,、um, is with a friend who's right now living in Taipei. To empower school bullied、uh, children with martial arts, because、um, bullied is kind of things that everyone knows that is going to be harmful for mental health, and but not a lot of people are doing it with effective invention. It's just short time, for example, psychological counseling, which doesn't really help, but really to build the confidence within itself to lear- learn about some self defense technique. Um, it's really how to say is this kind of if impact will stay with this person lifelong. So that's something that、um, the third project that social enterprises I'm working on with my friends. And yeah, so to answer your questions, how to make sure that、um, through even with this job I can still stay on the ground. Um, it's with these social enterprises that I interacted with people every day. How would you? It sounds like、uh, you you really have often some leadership positions, right? Or you're on stage very often, right? <laughs> And you are full of energy. What's your understanding of leadership? What do you think makes a a good leader?、Mm. I think that's the question I keep asking myself. Uh, I'm still asking myself right now, and to be honest, if I really have to give a, how to say a score of my leadership skills, I would say just barely pass. Okay.、Mm. Because what I notice is that a charming individual is not equivalent to a good leader. A good leader needs to give space for other people to. Be able to speak out, to be able to、um, to make sure that they are they feel secure whenever they are taking responsibility or whenever they are taking initiative. So I think a, my vision of me being a leader in the future is that to give this create this environment. So a leader is not just Someone who is good with everything. A leader is an environment creator for people to feel empowered, to feel safe.、Um, and I think I still, I'm still、um, having a little distance from the the leader I have in mind. But、um, but I know that's what kind of leader I want to be. Would you mind sharing what kind of leader you would want to be, and who are your role models typically? Yes.、Uh, so I would say. Mm, I would say my current team leader,、mm-hmm. um, Savi. So he's the he's my role model in terms of leadership because you don't feel you don't feel that he's trying to take all the spotlight with things with achievement,、um, and also people get credits for their work. And and then one of the most important things I like、uh, working with him is that he never. Ask you to 
how to say how he never asks you to change. He always use he always try to know your advantage and disadvantage, and then try to strengthen your advantage. And then you never feel bad of things that you are not good at, but you only focus on the things that you are good at. Interesting. Um, tell me about a uh, teamwork. <laughs> um, you've mentioned your your manager. How does teamwork work for you? What do you think are the key components and key factors of success when it comes to creating a team and having these deliver awesome output? Mm. That's a very very good question, and I think that's a very big challenge. Um, working in the UN because I think everyone has very unique opinions, and then the team, the teamwork, um, also very important to the the role of leaders of the leaders, right? The leaders needs to understand what is opinion of each other, what is their intention behind it. The important thing is that how does this leaders stitch different opinions and intentions into. Um, a, a map of the work that, for example, maybe some overlaps, maybe some some gap in the between in between, but the leaders will be able to make sure that the map is complete at the end. Um, so I would say that definitely one of the key teamwork team spirit that we have that I would say is that to make sure everyone focus on. The larger picture, focus on the result. Otherwise, if we only focus our daily task and one small things that cannot be fulfilled, and we realize maybe oh, let's just blame the other teammates, or uh, it's not my fault, or 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 sometimes I I I feel too bad about this and then lost my motivations of continuing to working on it. So just really focusing on the the bigger picture, the result, not to put too much of personal feeling into it. Awesome.、Um, <laughs> I, I want to go back to、uh, Muay Thai. Oh, okay.、Um, tell, tell, tell me how you got started with it. What you were expecting, and、mm. what, what did you get out of it? You, you've hinted some elements already, but I would love to have a question and an answer dedicated to that big, big part of your daily life. Sure.、Uh, I think I was.、Mm, I've always so in the beginning, I just want to lose weight,、mm-hmm. and. One thing that I realized in my university life, very interestingly, is that people treat me differently when I'm have when I'm having different weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow,、well, that that's unexpected. Yeah,、uh, for example,、um, I wouldn't. No one would help me with my luggage.、Um, I mean, not the light one, the the really really heavy one, the one I need. Even with my two hands, I cannot lift it.、Um, people wouldn't wouldn't help me if I'm. Have larger weight. Oh wow! And then w- once I realized when I lose weight, they just automatically came and asked, "Do you need some help?" Oh wow! That's a that's a bomb that you're dropping <laughs> here. Uh oh! Right. So I mean, I was young and naive, and I was、uh, and I just realized, okay, maybe probably I should just you know. Lose some weight. Okay. That was my starting point. I'm just very honest. I wouldn't say that oh because I want to be I want to focus on myself health、yeah. health or self improvement. But honestly, that was my motivation in the beginning. Nice. And then um, and then I just enjoyed this process. I enjoyed as I mentioned that my body can this kind of mentality. I just fell in love, and I need this kind of message to my brain, and I'm just. I'm just addicted to it, and then when I moved to Bangkok, I I I know that Muay Thai is 
you know, the the traditional, the the the, the proud, the pride of of Thai culture. And I just I was just figure, okay, let me just try it. And and I was and I met the my grandmaster through a very good friend who teaches Muay Thai not just in the superficial level, not just, you know, punch, kick and those, you know, technique. Mm-hmm. But he say that Muay Thai is a philosophy. Muay Thai is a way of living. And I have to agree because the thing is that um, I remember one thing very, very concretely that um, he asked us to stand there and then not to move at all to take his heat. Mm. He said that you have to feel it. Mm-hmm. When, once you feel it, you know, then you know, you can decide for your body whether you want to avoid it next time or not. So that's his first point. The second point is that you have to feel it. And if you know your body can, don't move. Because if you move back and then you want to uh, counterattack, it takes more time, right? But if you stay there, you know your body can stay there. You can hit back immediately. You, then you don't have to spend extra time. So I really like that mindset. And, and I think what Muay Thai changed me a lot is that I used to fake my confidence. Mm-hmm. Because I know I have to. I have no choice. Everyone has these expectations of me. But now I have very, very solid confidence. Because I know that no matter what kind of heat, my body can take that. And I'm so ready to counterattack anytime. Nice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, introvert or extrovert? Oh, uh, what do you mean? Uh, what's your personality? Ah, my personality. I think it's 92% extrovert. Okay. <laughs> Based on MBTI test. Okay, interesting. <laughs> do you believe it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say you are? I would say that um, it depends on whether I am inputting mode or outputting mode. Mm-hmm. So if I if I'm just coming to a new topic and if I just want to sit there and learn, I'm not an extrovert. But if I'm outputting, then I can talk a lot. Okay, mm. got it. Um, I was reading a post from a, from a great friend of mine who talked about aloneness mm. versus loneliness. Oh. Have you? Have you thought about this a little bit? What what would it mean for you? What what would you appreciate mm. as somebody who sometimes has to recharge her batteries, for example? Oh, yeah. I, when, now you mentioned it. I think the difference of... So, um, I think one is a passive choice. The other is a proactive choice, right? Being... Um, so, loneliness is more like a passive choice that you you probably longing for someone to be around with you, um, but you don't have other choices you by yourself. That gives you a sense of powerless that you realize, um, how to say, that you don't felt there's no no one around you to validate your thinking. But I think aloneness, aloneness, aloneness is more or more or less a proactive choice that you choose to be by yourself. Uh, you don't need extra external validations or recognitions because you yourself is strong enough. Um, and then, and I think that's the point where you, your self-talk comes in, whether it's loneliness or aloneness. And then it's also, I think, Sometimes we also need to observe how our self-talk, which direction does it take? Is our self-talk trying to, you know,
scare us.